No my hi to my welcome to More Than Theology. This is the new Pathways podcast, uh, pretty brand new really. And uh, here we are in a lockdown edition of the podcast uh, because of course most of you all know that New Zealand is in level four lockdown at the moment. But we have a guest, a very special guest today who's joining us via Zoom. His name is Dr. Jake Martin. And Jake is a research fellow at Curtin University in Perth, Australia. Uh, before that, uh, he did his PhD at Cambridge University. I like to say that he's um, Cambridge educated because he's also an alum of Cambridge High School where I too am a graduate, but uh, even slightly more prestigious is Cambridge University where he did his doctorate. Um, he's doing uh, some of his research in the area of climate and uh, actually bef long before he embarked on his science career as a researcher, um, I knew Jake through a youth group. Uh, Jake was one of the youth group kids when I was a youth pastor. We were both living in Cambridge. And, you know, one of my memories of Jake was as a 14-year-old telling me that he was working on some clean uh, energy motors. He was trying to design motors that would uh, run off of wood and was it was working. So. Uh, even as a 14-year-old, he was working to solve the climate crisis, and that's kind of the trajectory that he's carried on. So, um, obviously, a really um, brilliant guy um, and a follower of Jesus. And um, so today, what we want to talk to Jake about is the whole issue of vaccines and asking him specifically about how do we uh, think about vaccines as Christians and as church leaders and communicate them uh, about them to our congregations to our youth groups or whoever it is that we're reaching in our ministry so um oh one more thing to say about jake by the way is that he did um develop a test um that has been is now being used as a COVID 19 test here in new zealand um so some of the work that he's done in the past has actually been used in a very kind of relevant uh way to this whole issue so anyway after that very long and extended introduction jake so good to have you here thanks so much Thanks so much, Richard. And uh, I just want to say that I really enjoyed um, youth group and learning so much about Jesus. And uh, yeah, I think it's so important to have so much good theology, particularly when you're young. So I've I've um, appreciated that immensely. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it was a lot of some fun years there. Hey, um, so the way I think we'll approach this conversation is in two halves. And the first half, I'm thinking, will um, just speak about vac vaccines from the perspective of any old Christian, you know, just Christians in general. And then the second half, um, zero in more specifically on uh, church leaders and ministry leaders and how they can maybe be broaching this topic with their, their flock, if you like. Um, so let's just um, rip into it. So, um, Jake, you and I, we've both grown up in evangelical uh, churches have evangelical backgrounds, and so we both know that uh, in evangelicalism, there is often, um, it has been and is often a sort of a suspicion around science and a kind of a weariness about science and scientists. Um, so just tell us, how do you, as a follower of Jesus, reconcile your faith with also being a scientist? Well, I think it's 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 um, one of these great joys I have really to do science because I get to explore the incredible world that God has created. 
And throughout the ages, Christians have contributed immensely to science. Some would say um, contributed, uh, particularly in its formative years. Um, some of the great scientists um, uh, were, were Christians and some of the great scientists today are, are Christians. And I guess one of the things I found going into science is I anticipated that it would be you know, just completely against Christianity. But what I actually found is the research groups that I entered, there were many Christians and many Christians who were doing um, world-leading science, um, you know, had incredible faith in, in Jesus. And, um, and one example of that is actually, you know, to do with, 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 um, with coronavirus is uh, Francis Collins, who is the head of the National Institutes of Health in, in America. It's actually the largest funding body of science in the world. And wow. his group um, actually sequenced the human genome for the first time. So the DNA, mm. the, the instructions for life, um, he, he was able to read off for the first time with a, with a very large group that he led. And he's mm. now actually leading the developments of the, um, the vaccine. So he was, he was critical in all of those vaccines de developments. So, um, so I, I guess, uh, you know, Christians do science and they're part of it. And, um, and I guess in that way, it, it is, a, it is definitely, it's like another job, right? You know, mm. I'm a, I'm a very good, you can have a good, good carpenter. You can also have a good, um, a good scientist and they can be Christians. Yeah. And there's a few of you out there, like you said, and not just in the States. I mean, you're a founding member of New Zealand Christians in Science. Um, so there's obviously a community um, throughout Aotearoa as well of Christians working in science. Um, so obviously there's not necessarily that animosity between faith and science that sometimes people imagine. Um, and now thinking about vaccines specifically, Jake, um, we live in an age of, you know, all sorts of information going around, misinformation, disinformation, fake news, conspiracy theories, and it's really confusing for people. Um, so, you know, um, what, what can you say about why Christians could or can or should trust the scientists that are touting these vaccines for COVID-19? Right. Well, I mean, I suppose there's um, a variety of reasons that these vaccines are, are trustworthy. Um, so firstly, science is done with a lot of people involved. And um, it's actually very hard to keep a secret, to be honest. And <laughs> this is where conspiracy theories really struggle because they require thousands of people to all be in on it and somehow mm. keep that from other people. And really with the scientific community, you know, we publish things into the public domain. Anyone can access things and everyone critiques each other in a way that's in the public sphere. So it's one of these places where you find that, um, that so for example, with the development of, of, of the uh, COVID-19 vaccines, they were done um, with multiple um, universities, multiple governments, multiple companies. And I remember watching a, a, um, a talk from Fa Francis Collins where he was talking about all of, the, um, all of the pharmaceutical companies working together to figure out who can do the testing and who can do the manufacturing and who can, and, you know, who, who can uh, um, do, do kind of the early stage trials. And uh, by combining all of that, they were able to um, get a vaccine to market um, very, very quickly. And I should mm. just mention that 
um, the speed at which they were able to do that does not, it was not because they cut any corners. What they ended up doing is they started manufacturing things before all the tests uh, had finished. So usually they wait till all of the trials are finished and then they start manufacturing. But in this case, they said, look, we just have to get this out to people. So we're going to manufacture it, even though we don't necessarily know whether it will work. Um, you know, completely. Mm. Um, and that meant that as soon as the tests had finished, they were able to just, um, you know, start um, start using it immediately. So instead of, you know, doing it sequentially, they did it in mm. parallel. And so, mm. so everything was happening at the same time. And that sped it up. And I think the other thing to note is that the, the design of the vaccine, um, which we'll get into a bit, is actually... Um, you just need to have the right instructions and then you can manufacture a new vaccine. So, and this, this technology had been developed for the last decade. So it was really waiting for an opportunity. So this is not new technology. It's just new technology. It's, it's old technology applied to a new problem. In this mm. case, the uh, coronavirus. Mm. That's really interesting. And I didn't know that about the, the fact that they've gone from a sort of sequential model to running in parallel and that's kind of compressed the time frame. but really fascinating. Um, so there's this idea that's been floating around uh, that the vaccine can maybe alter your DNA, and that's kind of scary for those of us who aren't scientists. So um, can you just tell us, how does the vaccine work? And maybe, I don't know if you realise, but we have some people that tune in via video and some via audio. So um, maybe as you explain yeah. it, if you do have any diagrams, maybe try to articulate it as well. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, so yeah. So, um, I think the 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 important thing to know is kind of how the vaccine works normally. So, um, so I will draw something, but I'll also explain um, mm. what I'm doing. So, yeah, sure. basically, if if this if this here is your cell, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the the virus is kind of looks like a like a little um, soccer ball. And on the surface of it, it's got these, um, these little uh, um, uh, spike proteins like this. So, so it's got kind of these, these kind of keys on the outside, you can think of them. Yeah. And what happens is, is that the, the, the virus wants to trick your cell into letting it into the cell. Mm. And so um, what it does is uh, these spike proteins kind of make the cell think that it's a, a good thing and that the cell should ingest it. So basically yeah. it comes towards the cell and the spike proteins say, yeah, I'm all good. And the, mm. the cell is tricked into mm. letting it enter. Now, when it enters, mm. the, inside the, the virus, there's actually uh, instructions for your cell to manufacture more viruses. So inside of this, there's, um, there's, there's instructions um, that basically tell tell the cell make more um, viruses. Mm. So so that's kind of a really big problem because your cell basically gets taken over, and the cell mm. is now a virus factory, and mm. eventually the cell will make lots and lots and lots of of viruses, and then it will explode, and then those viruses will will be spread, and so that's kind mm. of the way in which it works. Um, it's, right. imp it's important to note that at no point does this virus change your DNA, right? Okay. Um, it, all right. it does is it uses the machinery in your body to, to replicate. Right. Now, um, let's just say that, let's, let's put over here that your cell here with your DNA is over here, right? 
Okay, so so what is what does a vaccine do? So the vaccine takes a little bit of the instruction from inside of here, and it's just a very small amount of information. And that information tells your cell how to make the spikes. It's just mm. the instruction that makes the spikes. And so what the cell then does, what your body does, is it manufactures lots and lots of spikes. And these spikes, as I said, are the it's kind of the key um, that, that, um, that the body kind of recognizes. So then what the body does is it sees lots of these spikes and it says, ah, oh, I don't, I know they're foreign. So, you know, it looks a bit closer and it says, oh, these, these keys are actually all forged. They're all incorrect. And so when a virus comes to your cell, it will, um, it, it, the, the cell won't let it in because it's already seen lots of the spike proteins before. But importantly, this little piece of information never, ever gets into your DNA. So it's, mm. it's never, ever changing your DNA. It just right. goes into your cell and it, uh, it just makes the spike protein. So it doesn't even make mm. a usable, um, a usable uh, virus at all. So it's just a right. part of the virus that's being manufactured. Right, right. It's, I mean, that's, even as you're explaining it, it's, just, it's incredible. Um, it's an incredible technology and, um, and one that I think we should uh, be really excited about. Um, there's other myths. I mean, we've you know, talked about the, the idea that maybe it alternates, alter, sorry, alters your DNA. But are there other myths floating around that you're aware of? Yeah, I think there's, um, there's one myth that I've heard that it, it um, impacts fertility. Oh, yeah. And, um, and unfortunately, this is um, a couple of layers deep in the internet, <laughs> um, <laughs> as is always the case. So yeah. there was, a, there was um, this actually started off as a conspiracy around the tetanus shot. So the tetanus um, a vaccine uh, mm -hmm. in Africa. And unfortunately, some church leaders said mm. that um, basically the, the tetanus, why was the tetanus vaccine being given to young women who were about to have children? And their interpretation was that it's to make them infertile and that it's mm. the UN, which is the United Nations, mm. trying to sterilize their young women. Mm. In fact, the reason it was given to young women was because there were babies being born with the tetanus. And so the idea was that if you give it to young women, then they will be protected, their babies will be protected, and you won't have as many infants dying. And so there was just a, a serious miscommunication between the church, uh, understanding what the, the vaccine was. And I think that goes two ways. I think often scientists aren't very good at communicating, actually, the technology and the breakthroughs that we've made in a way that can kind of allay fears. You know, people just want to sure. understand how it works. And I think it's important that people have that opportunity to ask questions and to, and to know how it works. Mm. Mm. So I should, I should cool. just say that. Yeah, go. So, so, the, so it's been shown that actually women who, so basically all of the vaccine trials were done not on pregnant women because um, it's just not ethical to, to give mm. it to pregnant women. But it, actually there were some women who didn't know that they were actually pregnant and they had the vaccine and they had children. So it's very mm. clear that it doesn't impact fertility. And mm. also the child probably had some immunity for COVID mm. um, 
And so it, it actually is is now shown to to they have done further trials with pregnant women and there are no issues. So, mm. but it is something you want to chat with your doctor about um, before doing. Yeah, sure. And you know, even just stepping back from the COVID nineteen vaccine specifically, and just thinking about vaccines in general, um, you know, some of the reticence of some Christians about getting vaccines of, of any kind has been. Uh, about this sort of historic um, uh, link with um, research conducted using uh, cells from aborted fetuses. I'm a bit hazy on that, but can you speak into that? Does that apply in this situation with the COVID-19 vaccine? Yeah, so this is a, an important ethical question. And um, actually, I've just read um, that the Catholic Church has done quite an extensive analysis of different... Um, uh, vaccines, because mm. um, you know abortion is 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 uh, you know a, a very uh, um, critical issue for them, mm. and um, I can tell you that the vaccines that New Zealanders are currently being given have not been made with any stem cell lines that are from fetuses. Oh, um, right. So, so the in 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 molecular in in, um, in cell line biology you have a particular cell that is grown and, and replicated and it can come from someone from very, very long time ago. So, mm. um, and you propagate that cell line, you keep growing those cells and then you make sure that every lab in the world has the same cell line. So in the case of one or two um, vaccines, they used a stem cell line to do some of the testing. And that's a, a cell line that was um, um, from a, uh, from a, an, an aborted fetus, but that was from it in the 1980s. So the cell line came from one aborted fetus in the 1980s. So th there, there isn't any more aborted fetuses that are used in that cell line. Uh, it's just that one um, aborted fetus. But I mean, the important thing to note is that for, um, for the vaccines that are being given in New Zealand, it's um, not the case. And it was also interesting how the Catholic Church dealt with it because they said, if you can only get a, um, a vaccine um, with a stem cell line, so I think Moderna um, had uh, a stem cell line, that if you can't take another vaccine, then it is ethical for you to take that because of mm. the alleviation of, of suffering of others. Right. So, they, so the Catholic Church came out with a statement saying, saying that. Now, of course, that's something that, um, that, that you need to think about, but, but it, it's not mm. an issue for New Zealand. Mm -hmm. No, that's really helpful. Thanks, Jake. Um, yeah, and speaking of um, of the Catholic Church, um, Pope Francis has recently been speaking out a little bit about um, in favour of getting um, vaccines. And you wrote quite recently for the uh, New Zealand Christians and Science blog, quite an, I thought quite an eloquent and elegant um, blog post about um, getting the, the vaccine yourself. I just got it yesterday, so my, my um, left arm's feeling a little dead, but otherwise I'm feeling fine. Um, yeah. But you obviously got it a, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. And and so anyway, what um, you were saying something sort of that, that sounded a little like what I think Pope Francis was getting at. So what um, the Pope was saying is that to um, get a vaccine is an act of love. Um, and we actually got the quote right here, so let me just read it. He says, Vaccination is a simple but profound way of promoting the common good and caring for each other, especially the most vulnerable. So um, your blog post was sort of getting at something similar about it's not it's not just a sort of a, a selfish thing, that there is a kind of selfless dimension to that. So do you find yeah. yourself in agreement here? 
Absolutely. Um, I think, so I'll just explain what the blog post was on a little bit. Mm. So mm. Um, two Sundays ago, I was at church and I was able to receive Holy Communion, um, receive the, the cup and the, and, and, and the bread. And then I was able to go straight after church to a vaccination center and, um, and receive the, the, the vaccination. And I just, I was quite, I was, I had quite a few emotions sitting there. Um, and there was quite a buzz in the air as well at the vaccination center because I just felt like we're all there and we're all there because um, there was a lot of young people as well. And, and, and there's less risk for me, for example, and, and for other people. But, um, you know, we were all sitting there and we were all, you know, a little nervous because nobody likes needles. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I acknowledge that, you know, there's a, but we're all there because we, um, we want to say no to this um, vaccine, uh, to, to, this, um, to, this, <clears throat> to this coronavirus, you know, we want to say um, yes to life. And, and I just saw that that's kind of similar to communion when we sit down with each other and we say no to death and yes to life mm. um, and that, you know, purchased for us on the cross by mm. Jesus. Mm. And, um, and I think the other thing is we've already sacrificed so much, right? We've already mm. sacrificed um, some people, their livelihoods, mm. you know, some people, people have died, you know, working, Christians mm. working at the mm. front lines. Um, you know, to save people's lives, putting their own life at risk. And, and that sacrifice is, is mirrored in the vaccine. You know, nobody wants to go and drive somewhere and then have, have a needle put into their arm. But, but we did it because we, we loved our neighbor. And we also, you know, we wanted to sacrifice our own kind of individual, um, you know, dis discomfort because we didn't want, you know, I've got a grandmother who's in, um, who's in uh, rest home in Cambridge, and I, d I don't want her to ever have to go through this horrible respiratory virus, mm. you know, and I think it's um, often when people um, are against the virus, they, they, they don't take into account just um, what it means for people who are locked in their ha houses because they can't mm. come out because they've got immune diseases or they're elderly, the loneliness mm. um, of that. And, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's our responsibility to, to sacrifice um, ourselves so that we can protect others. It's a great perspective. Yeah, really interesting. Thanks, Jake. Hey, let's ch um, change gears now. So um, that's sort of, you know, I guess useful for any believer. Um, now I want us to speak specifically to those listening who are perhaps in positions of leadership within the church or in ministry and, are, you know, all of a sudden, you know, probably a couple of years ago, didn't think they would have to speak to this topic. And now all of a sudden, vaccines are this hot topic. And um, I just want to kind of get pick your brains a little bit about um, on their behalf of like, how can they speak into this area? So, Maybe yeah. just to kick it off, um, what role do you think pastors and youth pastors and camp leaders and anyone in, in leadership and in, in the ministry um, have to play in this whole issue of the COVID-19 vaccine? Well, I think there's a critical um, leadership role. Um, I think that I talk about this in my blog. The, the, I, I go to a church that's right next to the hospital. And that means that we have many doctors that attend the church that I go to. And to have them stand up and to 
to pray these really, um, you know, difficult prayers where they're praying that this disease will be over. And these doctors know that, um, that we have the means, we have the ability to, to, to save people, to, to save people's lives, you know, people that don't know Jesus, you know, people that are, are dying unnecessary deaths because, um, you know, they, uh, because they don't have access either financial or they choose not to, um, to protect themselves and, and others around them. And um, so I think there's kind of this, yeah, there's, there's this ability that, um, you know, that trust, it, it's hard from a scientist to, to express that, but I think um, there's some really um, useful ways in which you can kind of, um, you know, talk about the way in which Jesus served other people and loving other neighbors. One thing that I think is quite helpful is often there's this idea that we over-spiritualize life in a way that actually is unbiblical. So this idea that the body and the soul are somehow different and our spiritual dimension is so much more important than our physical dimension that it trumps everything. And that's right. a really important, that's a really problematic view in Christianity because mm. even when you look at Jesus's miracles, he takes what is already there and he multiplies it. And for example, um, when he, a, a case where he, 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 um, he opens the eyes of a blind man, he actually makes a paste out of the dirt and rubs it on the eyes. You know, he's actually applying an ointment and, mm. and then he's opening this man's eyes. And at, I mean, Jesus, of course, could, could have, God could just um, miraculously do it, but, but he's a God that cares about the physical world that he made. And he right. wants to redeem it. And part of that redemption is actually using the physical world to protect and to save and to open the eyes of people around us. And so the vaccine I see in a similar way is that this is something that God has opened our eyes to. I now know, you know, we now know how the body works. We know how this virus works. We know how to stop it right in its tracks. Mm. And so I just find that, um, you know, maybe kind of talking about that kind of hyper um, spiritualization that kind of doesn't appreciate the, the physical aspect, um, I think could be quite helpful to help people kind of not think that they don't have to do things like vaccinate because God will mm. protect them. Um, because mm. God, God wants to protect you, but maybe through a physical means. That's right. Yeah. I mean, the incarnation itself is, is in a sense a divine sort of seal of approval on yeah. physical reality. Right. And and that so often, I mean, we see that God's MO throughout scripture is to work through creation um, as much as it is to sort of intervene, if you like. And and so um this getting through this kind of uh you know dualism where it's sort of mm -hmm. um spirit and, and body and spirit is superior is perhaps one of the really important barriers that um ministry leaders need to speak into that even though this is a, a, in one sense a, a medical issue, a physical issue, um, that doesn't mean that it's beyond uh, the purview of, of where a pastor or a ministry leader might speak into. Mm -hmm. um, just true. thinking a bit more widely, um, Jake, are there other barriers that you can think of that uh, ministry leaders need to be aware of when speaking about this issue? Um, I mean, I think it is important to, to mention, I, I think it's important that when someone comes to you with some sort of um, wacky idea, or even, a, even just a, a, a genuine question about how it works, mm. 
I think we have a responsibility to search that out uh, for people, um, directing them to really good sources. So um, one example was, you know, I was I was talking with a, a colleague of mine about the the um, you know whether it, whether the vaccine um, um, changes fertility, and mm. I said to them, look, I actually don't know, um, mm. but that doesn't sound consistent to me because I know that you know doctors and researchers around the world would never produce something that um, would sterilize people. You know, I mean, right. there's there's been a, enormous amounts of uproar about even an academic in a university talking about eugenics or anything. I mean, we're Hopefully, as a society, we're um, we're acutely aware of any discussion along that, those lines. And so I said, "But look, I'll look into it for you." And so I went online, and there's a very good website called Snopes. Yeah. Snopes takes um, questionable content from the internet, and it is an independent group of people that basically just look through the facts and see where this originated and whether it, this idea has legs or not. And it's a very helpful thing. And I found, you know, the the, the Technus shot and a few others and, and the link there. So, um, but but for questions specifically about the the, vac the virus and, and, and vaccines, I would I would look at biologos. So biobiology, logos, the word of God, um, which is an American, um, it's kind of the equivalent of New Zealand Christians in science. And it has some great um, uh, Q and A's with, Dr. Francis Collins, um, who I've mentioned previously, um, discussing exactly how he, you know, was part of the vaccine and exactly how it works in a lot more detail than I can provide. Mm, 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 awesome. Um, do you have any other thoughts about how ministry leaders could approach this hot topic, um, specifically with people who are vaccine hesitant in their congregation? I think it's important that that people have a place where they can trust the content they're receiving and the pulpit is you know preaching is, is a place where they're getting information that's not tailored for them on social media it's a, it's a unique place where people from different perspectives converge and are refined by by the word of scripture mm. and that is a, a unique place um, and so I would, I, would, I would say don't shy away from it as a topic because, um, you know, even though it's contentious, that by building that, that kind of talking about it in a church context where you will have people that have been on the internet and been down some rabbit holes, um, but if they are put in a community where their views are challenged gently, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, gently convicts us of mm. our sin and, and another thing that might be quite helpful is talking about, um, about, uh, um, about gossip, because I, I find that a lot of what's shared on the internet are juicy morsels that go down. Yeah, you know, yeah. That it, it really fulfills that criteria mm. of what gossip is. It's something that you know that nobody else knows. And you mm. tell someone else, but there's not enough information. And also you don't know your source often, the case with gossip. And and it basically, I mean, social media has amplified gossip to a place which is completely unhelpful. And it leads people to very, very um, dark places. Um, mm. So trying to break out of that and um, and challenging it potentially as gossip is is one helpful way to go about it. Yeah, what a fascinating connection. You know, gossip, 
when we read about it in Proverbs, for example, uh, it's sort of, it, I think in the past, it would have struck me as um, something that maybe uh, afflicts old ladies or something, you know, like it sort of seems like somewhat trivial, but and actually in our culture, it's actually such a timely kind of topic and an area of moral reflection is because mm. that is really what social media is about and specifically about misinformation and disinformation. It's, it's a yeah. form of gossip that is accelerated and, um, and amplified by technology. So mm. that's a really fascinating connection. Um, <clears throat> one book that made a really real impact on me re- that I read a few years ago um, is called The Rise of Christianity. It was written by a sociologist called Rodney Stark. And in it, he talks about how the early church um, just looking at it from a sort of uh, a sociological point of view, uh, sort of looking at the human factors, mm. um, and I believe Rodney Stark started out as an unbeliever in this project. Looking at how does it that the church went from uh, <clears throat> this, you know, band of twelve um, or so uh, followers of Christ to really upending the Roman Empire in just about yeah. three hundred odd years, and he isolate he identifies a few different things, but one of the main ones was how the church responded. To pandemics in the Roman world, and um, that was really something that spoke powerfully in in the Roman Empire um, to the people living in those days, and uh, was one of the things that, at least according to Rodney Stark, was one of the key things that really uh, helped the church grow and expand and eventually become, you know, the official Roman religion, for better and for worse. Um, so just thinking about that kind of picture and and the way that the church can respond to a pandemic in ways that are really glorifying to God. Do you have any thoughts about what you'd love to see the church's witness be in the face of this pandemic? Yeah, no, that's a very interesting point. And actually we had a historian at NZCIS recently at New Zealand Christians and Science recently give a, um, a a very interesting um, discussion about Christians during in New Zealand during the flu pandemic, the 1918 flu pandemic. Right. And, um, and you see um, religious orders or entire groups of Christians going in and serving and almost all perishing. You know, they, it's just the amount of death that um, people sacrificing their lives to protect uh, others. Um, and I think that has a, a huge kind of cultural memory in New Zealand. Uh, people know that Christians are, are willing to sacrifice their life for other people. Um, and I mean, practically, it's martyrdom, right? It's mm. about um, loving other people uh, more than yourself. Uh, and that's what Jesus really, um, really shows us. Um, and so I suppose... Um, I guess what I would like to see is that selflessness when it comes to talking about this. It's not about our rights. Mm. It's not about uh, what we find comfortable. It's mm. not about uh, it's not about what I've read on the internet. It's about um, how can I sacrifice? What can I sacrifice to protect others and to show them that I actually value their life more than my own. And hopefully, if we show people that level of love, they'll see Christ clearly in us. And they'll know that actually what matters more to us than physical death is spiritual death. 
mm. and 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 they'll know that we actually care about them more than our own physical death. Um, and in the case of of the vaccines, it really is not as big a. Um, it, it, we're not asking people to go into the hospitals where COVID is and and for people to to sacrifice their lives. Um, mm. Uh, I mean, obviously, people have already sacrificed a lot for this mm. pandemic. You know, people have lost livelihoods. People have lost um, the connection to family and friends because we are unable to travel. You know, I can't get back to New Zealand to yeah. see my parents, you know, but mm. we do that because, you know, I want people where I am right now to have the freedom to 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 receive um, the Lord. So mm. I suppose mm. that's what I would like is that sort of <clears throat> same selflessness that you see in the early church and and, and, you know, with Christians throughout the ages, um, putting mm. others before themselves. Mm. Mm. Well, well, that's a really great thought to end on. So thanks for your time, Jake. It's been really fantastic. Like I said, I just got the jab yesterday, the first one, and I posted on Facebook um, saying, you know, I was grateful to the creator for, for medical science. And I'm really grateful for people like you who uh, are interested in science and are interested in uh, not only science but understanding this um this world that we live in as god's creation and so thanks jake for your many years of study and just being willing to draw on that and kind of uh give us a bit of insight into both how we should think about vaccines as christians and how we can as ministry leaders be speaking into this issue so thanks so much just while we um, finish up jake if people want to know more they want to dig into this topic a bit more where's the best place for them to go to so I think the best place to go is BioLogos. So if you Google that, um, Bio, B-I-O, Logos, um, L-O-G-O-S, um, that is probably the best place to go for information about coronavirus and the vaccines. And, um, and nzcis.org, which is the New Zealand Christians and Science um, website, would also be a good place to, to go. Yeah, and you can go read Jake's um, really beautiful blog post that he wrote about getting... Uh, the vaccine which i really recommend and um, i'd love to have you back again jake to talk about other issues because there's a lot more to talk about in the area of faith and science but for now this is the one this is the one that's on everyone's mind so thanks for being willing to um, jump in here and enter the fray really appreciate it thanks jake well no the it's it's a real honor to be able to to talk about god's incredible creation and to worship the creator that made all of this amen amen all right, thanks everyone for tuning in. Kakitiano.